Hello, and welcome to The Cage Equation. This is your host, Malcolm, and I'm Drake Mickelson. We will select, scrutinize, and solve this question about Nicolas Cage movie. Did Cage fail the movie, or the movie fail Cage? Proceeding with the undeniable fact that Nicolas Cage can only create perfection, we will place the movie's failings at the feet of another. To that end, we'll start with the Metacritic score and assign culpability for each point Nick to the following three Cage awards. Direction, script, and Cage stars. Who blended this movie's cageosity? We are about to find out. And this week, we'll be looking at Willie's Wonderland, released in 2021. At a worldwide gross of $445,000 on a $5 million budget. Uh, that's not including however much money they made on streaming where on Netflix where it was released. And it has a Metacritic score of 44, giving us 56 points to account for. Malcolm, how did you like the movie? It was... It was awesome. Um, Nicolas Cage demonstrates every kind of martial arts known to mankind without ever once saying a word. And um, he wears magic sunglasses that reflect things that aren't there consistently throughout the movie. What's not to love? This was was one of his more, uh, should I say, idiosyncratic performances. And a quick uh, quick synopsis of the plot of Willie's Wonderland. Nicolas Cage played... The building is called the janitor, which I think is a, one of his better better names is credited to. Uh, never actually said in the entire movie. Uh, blows out a couple tires as he's going through the town. And in order to pay for the repairs, is asked to clean up Willie's Wonderland, close down children's pizzeria and arcade. Of course. As we are probably people have seen any of this at all know, it is haunted by the animatronics who soon begin trying to kill him. And as one character so succinctly puts it halfway through the film, we find out that he's not trapped in there with them. They're trapped in there with him. Yes. And possibly one of the stupidest lines uttered during the movie because it makes no sense. It's almost like all of a sudden she switched sides and is asking him to protect the demon possessed animatronics. Nothing, uh, nothing said by her makes any sense. I would say, I it, and I think she's taking lessons from uh, Nicolas Cage because the uh, the looks on her face as she slowly looks from side to side over and over again. It's, it is astounding. Uh, it makes about as much sense as his entire performance. I, I, I would love to see an interview where he explained what his thought process was going into, what his character was, because his character seems to be seem to have some problems. I mean, besides not speaking, his movements often turn into his own animatronic. Maybe maybe that's the secret at the end of it. We, we, did, we never found out that he's actually an advanced animatronic demon-possessed creature. Yeah, I kept waiting for something to happen where we find out that he actually came to the town just to kill the animatronics or something. Um, but no, there's never anything else explained about what is happening. Um, for anyone who doesn't understand what this plot is, it's basically the game Five Nights at Freddy in movie form without paying for the rights to Five Nights at Freddy. Is that what it is? I, they did have a couple. That's why they had to rename Bullies Wonderland. I forgot what was named that. Something else originally, but they had to change it due to copyright infringement. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all because I've only played a little bit of it, but it's essentially you're locked inside of an of a building with animatronics trying to kill you and then you have to escape at the end 
Okay, so let's, the first thing we're going to do is we'll talk a little bit about Nicholas Cage's performance. Once again, not a word spoken the entire time. Uh, I had a couple, I think is the best things I liked were uh, the slow-mo pan in when he either dropped his sunglasses to look at something or several times after he made the kill. Um, the first one was the, uh, the actress, what's her name? Uh, Emily Tosta, she plays Liv. When she comes in and he kills, which one was it? They kill. Uh, was that? Oh, nighty night. Yes, that's the decapitation, I believe. Yes, when he decapitates nighty night, which is a uh, medieval swordsman who's in the band with Willie the Weasel, um, they have a nice little slow pan on him as he stares at her, and is. I'm not even sure why why this happened. It's just making him look like a badass. That seems to be like the director has just borrowed like twelve different movies. From 12 different movies and paste them together. Yeah, and uh, so for the performance, he specifically became a producer to make sure that the fact that his characters not speak a single word in the whole movie. That's the sole reason he said he became a producer of this movie was to protect his vision of a silent film from Nicolas Cage. And he definitely has a vision in this movie. Yes, and I think... I think he even found a way to pay for it, which is the first 10 minutes is a Camaro commercial. <laughs> a beautifully shot Camaro commercial at that. And there's even a little bit at the end too. But yeah, Nicolas Cage, not a single word. He kills everyone in a different fighting style. I believe I have, he does a curb stomp. Yes. He masters the art of uh, judo at one point uh, where he judo throws someone and rips their like a King Kong style murder. And then he used the little known Filipino martial arts of Arnis at the very first kill. Uh, that's the street fighting with the sticks. He breaks them off in half oh, yeah, um, so. to kill the ostrich. I think it was an ostrich. It's I don't know Oz. what any of those animals were. Ozzy ostrich. We have a list of those. We'll go through those here in a minute too. There's yeah, a couple of them kind of die in the background without, and they're not very good at killing people either. No, there's eight of them. Eight, eight different animal slash monsters to kill. That movie that lasts like an hour and 20 minutes. Um, I think we could both also agree. What, what was your favorite moment with Nicolas Cage? Oh, let me see. I have so many notes on all the different kills. Um, I, think it's, I think it's the callback to uh, Edge of Tomorrow that I felt like he was doing on purpose in there, which <clears> is chain shirt, drink an energy drink. <laughs> kill an animatronic repeat um, yes i the need to change his t-shirt between every kill i think is my favorite part of the whole movie though he has a if you haven't seen it he has a a t-shirt like a staff t-shirt that for some reason the closet has an infinite number of these t-shirts just sitting around i think it's also interesting that the guy as we find out the, uh, the owner of the place is actually sacrificing these people he lures them in and sacrifices them to keep the animatronics from busting out and killing the town. Um, he's actually keeping these in stock at all yeah, times. He's, he's still wiping these. He's still printing the shirts and he's giving them out to the people he's going to kill. I, it seems like a waste of resources, but I, I guess he has a very strict guidelines this, with his employees. I, I think also, I think, you know, the, uh, the pinball machines actually becomes a huge character in the entire movie too. Did you notice, just as an aside, did you notice that he pulls a dust cover off the pinball machine before blowing dust off the pinball machine, before wiping dust, more yes. dust off the pinball machine? 
It's a process. There's deaths everywhere. Well, besides killing, well, besides killing the monsters, he also uh, has a couple montages of cleaning, which we find nice. I'm not really sure if he has a, uh, a really good process of this, but he seems to get an entire restaurant cleaned overnight in between killing the monsters. Um, a lot of spraying and a lot of wiping down, a lot of dusting, um, random sweeping and mopping. Well, it's mopping without water, though. Well, it looked he, like while he mops, it looks like he dampened the, the mop head and then wiped the same spot in circles. Well, it's called, that's called dry mopping for those of you at home. Um, it's, a, it's wildly ineffective, is what I'm saying. It smears it. It creates, it creates the illusion of clean without actually having to do the job. He, um, he also drinks an energy drink called Punch, which has the picture of a fist on it. Oh, what's the slogan on the side of it? I missed that one. It's like a fistful of caffeine for your mouth. Something like that. You could just see somebody at home thinking, and I'm going to make this drink for real, and we're going to make millions of dollars. It's a pop, too. Very specifically, it's a pop. Because whenever they shot it from the side, all it said was pop on the side of it. So between that and then also his uh, his love of pinball, because it. I love the fact that every 15 minutes, no matter what, was it a 15 minute break every hour? Was that what the, the I think, I think, yeah, the, the Texas guy uh, insisted that he take a break every hour. You don't want him to get burned out. And it doesn't matter what's going on. He's going to take that break anyway. I think that was one of my favorite scenes is when the, the chameleon's going to kill the girl. He steps in to stop it. And then his watch goes off. And it just takes a second to look at his watch. He looks at her, and it's just that little weird walk he does away. Which, which when you say he's trying to make a silent film, all of a sudden it's, it makes a little more sense. I watched the whole thing trying to figure out what was, what was the process here? What was he trying to do? But yeah, I think the whole point, it seems like, was to make a movie without speaking at all. So I found the tagline, a fistful of caffeine for your kisser. Yes. It's the tagline that keeps showing on the side. But yeah, I think the pinball dance, it's either the pinball dance, the constant changing of shirts, or when he duct tapes his entire abdomen for some reason. I think to stop a, a cut on it, but he uses a full roll of duct tape wrapped around his stomach. Didn't he get like a cut on the back or something that was his first kill against the uh, Ozzy Ostrich? Yeah, it was something like that. It's hard to track because he gets injured in every single one, and it does not carry over to the next kill. Yes, a piece of band, uh, the tape on He also uses duct tape on his face. Yes, that gets removed at the end. That's how you know it's over. Very dramatically at the end. But yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't have a cage, a nuclear cage. Nothing for that. Um, cageness is the, is the fact that he brought a bag full of energy drinks with him. For yes. some reason, he just has a bag, a burlap sack of these energy drinks. Yeah, it's the first thing he does is he fills up the fills up the uh, refrigerator with that. I like the the two moves I like best was the uh, the dance at the at the uh, pinball machine was possible, and also there's just that one small part where he just lowers his sunglasses down slowly to look up at the when he's first introduced to the uh, Willy's Wonderland building. The sense of foreboding. I don't know. Yeah, the sunglasses, like I said, the sunglasses are weird, too, because at different points, you'll see, like, an explosion reflected in them. Yes. Even though end. he's driving away, like, out of sight of this explosion. 
Um, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of weird choices. And they instead of doing, I figured when you do reflective, usually they use the aviators. Yeah. But instead they use this like Walmart sunglasses almost with like the plastic sides. So yeah. a very odd choice on his part. But yeah, that's that that covers, I think, all the good in the movie. Yeah, I think pretty much just it. So it's time to start signing the blame here. Okay, so on the other side of our cage equation, we're going to start talking first about the actors. Um, very few of them are known. I think most of them have one or two movies or other parts at all ever. Okay, so the um, the first actor we'll talk about is Emily Costa. She's Liv Hawthorne. She's the heroine of the piece. I think she's been in a couple of movies in Party of Five. Her and her friends break in. They're going to burn the place down. Then they realize there's a janitor in there that are going to save him. He won't come out. So they try to, she breaks in and then they follow through. Uh, basically, I think they're there as a can of butter so we can see how evil these things really are. Yeah, that's pretty blatantly what they're doing with them. None of them have a personality. There's the one who's in love with Liv. Yes. The other guy who I'm not quite sure is why he's there at all. He doesn't seem to like the guy who's in love with Liv. He doesn't like Liv. And he doesn't seem to like the other couple. He's the nerd, though, right? He's wearing glasses. No, I think he's supposed to be the popular guy. He's got, like, the pompadour hair. Oh, that one. Because then there's the guy with the glasses. I think there's actually... Oh, the yeah. guy with the glasses must die. Yeah, he does. yeah, they all die. But I just said the guy with the glasses. So it's like they tried to hit the one. There's there Then there's the... The dumb girlfriend. The dumb the girlfriend who talks like she's a... I think they're all supposed to be teenagers, but she talks like she's a, a prostitute, like yeah. a 40-year-old prostitute from the 50s or something. And her she's boyfriend, smacking bubblegum and all that. Her boyfriend looks like he's about 35. Uh, I... Yeah, I, uh, they just they, they threw a bunch of people in together so they'd have somebody for, for them to kill. So they've kind of combined several different movies together. This is the slasher part of it. Um, the fact that you can say bad things about the girls acting is probably better than have any of the stuff you can say about the others because the other ones you don't see anything at all about. No, I think I knew it was going to be bad when I saw that she was the main actress. Yes. Which meant everyone under her, in theory, should be a, a worse actor. Um, she, The woman who plays Liv talks like she's like a grizzled war veteran yes and speaks in nothing but nonsense um and right away the first thing she says when she convinces all her friends to go burn down this this evil demonic place and they all know what's inside of it she says someone says all right let's do it like excited about it and she goes this is a mission it's not a field trip yes it's very important that this be a very serious moment for her. Which, by the way, uh, sorry, I'm not back up. It's her fault everyone dies. And you know why? Yeah. Because she pours gasoline. The first thing you see her, she pours gasoline around the entire building. She holds a lighter, and then a cop pulls up while she has a lit lighter in her hand in front of the gasoline. And she just says, oh, shoot, and, like, closes the lighter. Why does it matter? Just burn the place down. Yeah. Just drop the lighter. You have to drop the lighter out of the way. It doesn't make sense. Oh. Well, then, then when they go back, they're going to put, burn the place down. She knows the person's inside. She wants to save the person, but she lets them empty out all the gas around again. 
before she says, wait, I need to go and save the guy. I'm pretty sure the gas isn't going to burn at that point either. I know it's a little nitpicky. I don't really like this, but it's poor planning all around. Yeah, and those gas cans, they're little tiny, like maybe a gallon gas tanks, mm-hmm. infinite gasoline coming out of them. Uh, the whole gas burning down the building thing really bothered me. It's all because of Emily Tosta, Tosta, whatever her name is. She, she has 10 minutes of exposition in the middle of the movie, too. Just the whole movie stops as for some reason she has to explain that the animatronics are evil to the guy who's killing the animatronics currently. While wow, our friends are dying. I, but can we, are we really going to blame this on her, on the actress or on the person right? Because what amazes me the most about this, just to sidestep over the script for a second, is the reason this whole thing got made is because that script, this script was so amazing that it got shopped around. And everyone's thinking it was an amazing script. Then Nicholas Cage read it. Then you listen to the words actually being spoken. What did they? Maybe it is her fault. Maybe she changed all the words because I can't believe this was a script that people were going. This is amazing. Yeah, I, the, the script doesn't. Yeah, the other part of the script that doesn't make sense. Going back to the exposition, it's the it's the prologue, and it's yeah. close to twenty minutes towards the end of the like twenty minutes left after that happens. Yeah. Why not introduce it? The only thing they do to introduce all this is show what is very obviously her as a little kid, watch her parents get killed. You know, and that's, I, you know, at the end of the day, what you, all you really need as a prologue of this is to show those things up on stage and then Nicholas Cage go in there. Yeah. I, I don't think we really needed much more of an explanation. There's so, a murder cult. Well, yeah. So the murder still, cult just shows up in the middle. Well, it's Chucky. So they stole from Chucky, Freddy. Freddy's, what was it? You said it was Freddy's. Uh, uh, Five Night at Freddy's or something. Yes. So the other people that are the adults in the show, the sheriff, uh, Sheriff Elite, Elisa, played by Beth Grant. There's the deputy, who's actually, I think, uh, comes out to about my favorite character. Um, Tex, Mikado, and Jed Love. Um, Jed Love and Are, you, are you really going to say the deputy is your favorite character? I, out of all the other ones, other than Nick Cage, who else is your, okay, who's your favorite character out there? None. None? None. If you here's, been, why, here's why you're wrong about the deputy. Okay. The deputy's personal line, I don't even have to read it. I remember it. <laughs> well, I got a wife and a kid on the way, so I sure do love the overtime. Well, that just that's the introduction. That's I I literally I acted more saying that just now than he did. Well, you knew he's gonna die now. Oh, I mean, he's going up against lines like, "Ain't that the belly of a pickle?" (laughs) And somehow I still think he acted worse than everyone. Yeah, he acts like someone's holding a cue card of this single sentence behind the behind the sheriff for him to read. It's like watching Christopher Walken on Saturday Night Live, but at least he's entertaining. And he has a competent writer. Yes. Well, those are the yeah, two other things. I, I'm i sorry. He's just the most likable. He's only, I think he's the only person I think if I was going to go to that town, I had to be stuck in a room for five minutes with one, any one of these people. It would have been him. At least he was like not completely Is he stupid. from the town? I think he's from a town over. I don't know. Yeah, because he acts like, one, he's never met the sheriff, which I think is actually impossible if you work for the sheriff. 
Um, and then two, he's the only person who doesn't seem to understand what Willie's Wonderland is. Yeah, so I think he must have been, I don't know, transfer or transplant. Who knows? Well, it's double overtime. And, you know, he's got a kid on the way, so. Well, a wife. And a wife, yeah. It's not cheap, which is good that he paired those up. Um, I don't know. The, the share, I mean, Texas just, and the other guy, what was he chewing on? Chewing on a beef stick the whole time. <laughs> Which I for some reason he got more character development than almost anyone in the movie. And and the only reason I say that is he says to the the guy who runs the place who's smoking a cigar, I thought you quit like me, or something like that. He's yeah. chewing on the beef stick because he quit smoking cigars. There you go. And that's I now know more about him than anyone besides the deputy who has a wife and kid at home. Well, you do get to see uh the Text go through several costume changes too every time it gets new. They do a little montage of all the families that he's tricked into being sacrificed there. He's had several hats. He looks like he's doing the the Norm McDonald Burt Reynolds. <laughs> can't, I can't wait for him to say it. it's a it's big fine. hat. It's funny. It's funny. Big hat. Oh, his oh everything. Oh. <laughs> but I don't again, I don't know if I can blame any of the actors except for Emily Tosta. Um, the script makes no sense at any point. Every time you're like, oh, it's, it kind of makes sense now. It doesn't. The, the high school kids break in, watch one of their friends get killed, and then two of them sneak off to have sex. And I suddenly have forgotten where they are, the fact that the animatronics are alive, everything. Is that, did, did they sneak off? No, I think they sneak. No, they sneak off before. They sneak off, and then the other, then the other ones get killed. I'm not saying that when you're in a house, okay, but, they, but they, they know there's they serial all, killers. They in do there. all know. They were going to burn the place down. So obviously, yeah. yeah, this doesn't make any sense at all anyway. So they they're getting followed, and what is for some reason one of the longest sex scenes I've ever seen in a movie. It's split up over I think three different breaks, and and during this, she keeps going, <laughs> "Was that thing in here before?" Oh, I think it's moving. I there were there were comments about that while we were watching that. There was a, it's like how long is this? Are they what? How is that still happening? Which which one kills them too? That is okay. So that's the alligator that kills them. The alligator, yes, alligator. couldn't kill Liv while she already, was climbing through a vent. It's already alligator, by the way. Okay, uh, cool. I just just so you know, uh, <laughs> I. I'd like to know also, I mean, we're watching this whole thing. So, okay, so none of the actors are good. No. No. Yeah, we can, we can move on from that. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I would say. Um, the sheriff does a pretty good job, I feel like. Like, she well, plays what she's supposed to be. Yeah. And I would say that, um, oddly enough, not saying that they did a great job, but uh, Emily Tosta, I, all I can hear is say toaster. Um and the other girl, at least they're dialing it up and trying to do something. I'm not saying they're doing it well, but I think they looked at Nicholas Cage doing his performance and said, oh, we're going to be weird on this one. Okay. They tried. Oh, um, I can't even say they tried. I can't. We've, we've gone through last, some last, last thing on Emily Tosna. She okay. fights like a rock'em sock'em robot. Yes. And uh, also, she supposedly beat one of the things but didn't kill it yeah okay. well she's not Nicolas cage okay yeah she learned the judo throw 
by osmosis. That was good. Yeah, I guess. Oh, it's she's awful. They're all awful. Okay. Yeah. Well, on, to, on to whatever else you want to talk about. For the writer, uh, Geo Parsons, the G stands for George and the O stands for Orion. So I thought you said his name was Geo. No, not Geo. No. G period O period. Uh, surprisingly, his first uh, screenplay. Uh, not much here. I. It says he's created, produced, and directed more than a dozen of his own stage shows, which, yeah. Um, I think we've had a few of his lines. I think most of them have been stolen. Um, he's not trapped in here with them. They're trapped in here with him. Uh, the, I look the, up. It is. They are paying homage. They they came out and said it to Watchmen with that. Okay. Well, that's that makes sense. That, I, does it make sense? I'm not sure. <laughs> you often see people paying homage to the uh, great classic Watchmen. I mean, it's spoken about in most cinematic symbols. It's one of the greatest achievements of the 21st century. Um, we're not, we had the mission on the field trip thing. Uh, the sheriff says the line is chewed, chewed up as a McDonald's hamburger. Oh, and then the, I, the, the deputy, I'd go back to one more. When they're in the car together and she says, you're, not, you're just a murderer, and he turns to shut up, I ain't no murderer. Yeah, Cotter. Um, oh, like <laughs> we will descend one more level down to Kevin Lewis. Uh, he's the director of this. I'm not sure he was chosen as director too. He wasn't attached to this. They chose him. Well, this man has had a career since 1996. Yes. Since then, he has made one, two, three. Five, six, seven, eight movies with a 14-year break before Willie's Wonderland. He worked with uh, Reddy Harlan, who made possibly was made the movie Cutthroat Island, which was considered the biggest all-time box office bomb. This before before your time, fortunately for you. Uh, but yeah, it's the people he's worked with weren't good, and it seems like he kept coming down. I, I was looking at some of the other stuff that he's worked with, and I the Drop, Dark Heart, Downward Angel, and the Third Nail is on his credits. I've never heard of any of those. Um, he seems to have a thing about showing, he likes to, to pan up from the feet. That's why I was showing it the, you know, the same at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. Every character that showed up, you would see their feet and either would pan up slowly or they would bend down to pick something up so you could see their face and then crawl them up. Yeah, I was uh, drew attention to what I think are mostly awful costumes too. Yeah. Nicolas Cage has some very ill-fitting boots on, but not like cowboy boots. They're like fashion boots. Because he's wearing, when he shows up, he's wearing a leather jacket, sunglasses, fashion boots, and jeans. Well, classic Cage. Yeah. Everyone wears as they drive down the countryside in their Camaro. Also, there's, okay. Going back to the script, I don't yes. know why they did this. So at the beginning of the movie, Nicolas Cage is very clearly picking up on the fact that he's in a trap. Yes. He notices missing persons posters. Yes. He doesn't look like he believes the story about the spike trip being stolen. He, and then for some, yeah, 
And then he just ignores it all, goes to Willie's Wonderland, and seems very committed to cleaning. He has to hold up his commitment, I guess. As much as we know about his characters, he made a promise, so he's going to do it. Sky gets Camaro back. And he doesn't speak. I don't know. He's, there's... <laughs> Once again, I would I I think the I think if there were if Nicolas Cage would do a walkthrough on this movie and explain to us what he was doing with the character the whole time, probably way more entertaining than he should be. Yeah. Other issues with the writing. Um my only other issue with the writing, it's a big one. Only one of the monsters seems to be good at killing people. Yeah. Really? The alligator gets outsmarted in a confined space chasing down Liv at the beginning. What's, is that a fairy with the, with the demon teeth? Uh, that's Siren Sarah. I believe she is a fairy. Or it's just like, a, basically, she's Tinkerbell. She has to team up with one of the other ones. Maybe the turtle. Cammy Chameleon. And then she also does a team up with uh, when, when Nicolas Cage is handcuffed. And then Tito Turtle. Yes, yeah, so, but, Tito but turtle. whenever the, she goes to kill someone, her and Tito have to be together to almost kill someone. I don't think yes. they ever explicitly kill anyone by themselves, except for at the end when she blows those people up. Yeah. And, and, but that special effects shot, you've got to agree, was astounding. I'll, yeah, because pouring gasoline on top of a car makes it explode. So, so they both suck. I don't think they actually kill anyone. She loses in a fight at one point to live the Rock'em Sock'em robot. Um, the chameleon... <laughs> breaks i think two people's necks by yes. gently twisting her head to the side after using her tongue to to grab them human yeah. necks are notoriously fragile to, to chameleon tongues yes well, she actually gets killed twice too doesn't she well on the, the side chameleon oh the chameleon um i think she gets knocked out the first time but then she gets killed okay but the siren does get killed twice i think yeah she gets yeah i she gets stabbed, fuzzy. and then Nicholas Cage the, breaks her neck with his thighs. I think the uh, I think the rule must be dismemberment. That's uh, the only thing I can guess because that's the only time they seem to say that. But yeah, just to repeat that, Nicholas Cage kills her with his thighs. Yes. Well, I was trying not to. He, that he straddles her, and then I think <laughs> breaks her neck <laughs> by squeezing his thighs together. <laughs> Well, handcuffed <laughs> because again, she lost every fight she was in. She has demon teeth. Oh, okay. So let's go through real quick because since these, I think these are slightly important. We had the characters of the animatronics there's Willie Weasel, Siren Sarah, Cami Chameleon, Ozzy Ostrich, Tito Turtle. I'm gonna have to take a breath here because this is there's more of these than there are any bales in the film. Uh, Tito Turtle, Gus Gorilla, Party Alligator, 99. Gus Gorilla. He's the one who gets curb stomped in the bathroom, right? Yeah. At first, I didn't like the first time I watched that, because I've seen this movie twice now. Uh, the first time I watched the fight, the first part of that fight is awful. Because At really one point, sure. Nicolas Cage is holding Gorilla arms to yes. his head and spinning in circles as yeah. he just holds dismembered Gorilla arms. It looks like one of those bad Godzilla fights they used to do when they were rubber in rubber suits. It, it was horrible until until the curve stopped. And actually, the kill scene was actually wasn't that bad. So I'm going to ask you a question here. So if I had to ask you, which are the scariest out of all these? Animals? 
LA animatronics? Which ones did you find the scariest? That's the thing. None of them were really scary. I mean, Willie does the most damage. Yeah. He'd be the one I wouldn't want to fight. But 99 Night was actually a killer. I think they're lucky they, they killed him first or second. Yeah. He's the quiet one. Yeah, because he had a sword. There's a couple times though when Willie when Willie Weasel was up on stage in the lighting, it did look like there's a couple times it was like, oh, that's that's something I just was nightmarish. Yeah. And it looked like something that somebody would put together, some idiot would put together to try and make children happy and wouldn't work. Um, Cammy the chameleon, I didn't know was a chameleon until she did the tongue attack. Yeah. I didn't know she was a chameleon until I read the uh, read the names the name? of the characters. Um, but yeah, I think Willie's probably the only Willie and the Knight are the only two scary ones. The turtle I, sucks. He ends up in their car somehow. Yeah. How do you unload the shotgun? Okay, so back to the writing. Yes. The turtle comes out, is on top of the car. They start fighting. Liv or Liz or whatever goes to shoot him. And he's unloaded the shotgun shells with his three fingers. Yep. He's just holding them with his paw. Well, do you remember? Turtle foot. You remember, then he enters the, uh, the completely... Historic lineup sucks to be you, Chica. Yeah. Because <laughs> he does speak in Spanish the entire time. <laughs> Hola, buddy. Yes. Oh. But yeah, so I guess Willie's scary. I wouldn't want to fight Nighty Night. I would, I'd fight any of the other ones. Yeah, they, I'd say the best kill. But they, they, they also had the best two kills because Willie clawed the sheriff in half in one swipe. Yes. And then the 99 had the surprise sword attack to the chest. But I I, I also I kind of like the uh, when Nicholas Cage killed him was pretty good too with the, the black blood stuff. Yeah, it was kind of cool that they did the black blood. At one point though, one of the humans bleeds black blood and then it switches to red in the next scene. It's when they're getting eaten alive. The those two. All right. How old? How old was that guy who played the boyfriend? I see, Jonathan oh Mercedes. Does he do? Is he even on the internet? Yeah, because he's a stunt man. He did stunts for Spider Man. Oh, he has a, he has maybe the longest IMDb on here. He's only active in seven things: The Granny Diaries, <laughs> Cobra Kai. Um, how old is this guy? Doesn't say. That's disappointing. There is no information on his personal life. Though, yeah, I will he's say, gotta, he's got to be in his thirties, though. He's done those. Okay, so I do have one, and then there's one other little thing with the with the with the fight out in the uh, with the sheriff on the street. Uh, they made a little mistake there. After he he kills the sheriff, and then she beats him up. As she's running away and crying about the poor deputy being dead, if you look closely, you'll notice that the deputy's breathing pretty hard in the cold air. You can see actually see his breath in the cold air the entire time. Let that go to the director. So we're on to the director then. The director is, yeah, that moment, but the director probably is, he just doesn't keep the, the realism going throughout this whole thing. I mean, I really don't believe the whole thing. 
But that's your point. I I don't know. Nicholas Cage brings you in to film something. And he says, This is the script you're going with. Well, what do like you do? To, well, I would like to know is how many how many days do you think they had to film? I I'm said sure. they did it in like a month. Yeah, I think they probably had Nicholas Cage for I'm guessing five days. I'm telling you, this guy could he should he should direct commercials though. I wanted a Camaro after the first 10 minutes. Yeah, he's good at that. That may be how they paid the other $5 million back to the studio. And my one last little bit, and this guy is actually, I'm not going to put this anywhere on the negative side at all, but uh, the, the film composer, uh, he's uh, went to French Rod, he's got one name. It's Emwa. Wait, and, what? Uh, Can you repeat that? Emwa. It's, it's spelled E-M-O-I. And I, let me just read his, read his bio here. I think he wrote this bio himself. So it's like, Emois is a film composer, music producer, and multi-instrumentalist, best known for his work on Molly's Wonderland. And then here comes the sentence. Besides writing the score and character songs for the film, Emois also provided the speaking and singing voice for the main villain, Willie the Weasel. Not since... The Nightmare Before Christmas as a composer attempted such a feat and pulled it off so successfully. Not since. So. <laughs> oh, God. Actually, it's the most important, one of the most enjoyable parts. So it's actually it's the little Willy Wonderland disco thing while Nick Cage dances to while he's playing. It is. I think the director, I'm going to give the director credit for this. Ending okay. with Free Bird. Genius. How every movie should end. Yes. It's a slow build of Free Bird at the end. It was a slow build. And was it, I, the ending was a little weird too with him driving off with, with Emily Tosta. Um, it, I don't know. The whole. He's supposed to be in high school, right? Yeah. They're all she, supposed to be high schoolers? High schoolers are just out of high school. She's got to be, she's playing under 20. And I would like to say, Nicholas Cage is nothing untoward, but I think maybe from the way she played it, it was a little weird. It was kind of odd, yeah. Oh, okay. boy. All right, let's get the score going. Okay. We got um, director, script, and Cage stars. And we have 56 points. We have 56 points. Do we want to Do we want to score? Let's. Who do you think? Who do you blame the most? Or do you want to start from the uh, least? Yeah, I'll give you, I'll get, I have my breakdown in my head already. 30 points go to the co-stars, the cage stars. Okay. 29 of which go to Emily Tosta. <laughs> uh, I'll give, that's 26 left. Uh, I'll give 16 to the script because they wrote so many lines for Emily Tosta. Yes. And that leaves me with 10 for the director. Because, like I said, great commercial at the start, free bird at the end. That's all we needed. Okay, so I'm going to disagree with you. I went, I actually went, the number one problem with the whole thing was the script. However, your, uh, your toast to take, uh, I can't, you've been, become toast eccentric here with, the, with, your, with your score. I'm not going to disagree with that either, but I saw more as a script problem. So I went 21 script, 20 director, and 15 on the cage stars because I don't think anybody could have been good with that script. Only 15? She says, this isn't a mission, or this isn't a field trip. It's a mission. 
she delivers it like she's Batman. You know the problem is with my, I just realized the problem with my with my entire my entire scoring is it should all go to Tosta. Well, because I just gave it all. I said the script is the worst part about it, and yet what what is the one thing Cage doesn't do their entire movie? Speak because he Speak. believes in the script. You're disagreeing with Nicolas Cage. Uh, Sandus views. I can't go any farther. We're gonna have to go through the score because I've uh, I've obviously made a huge mistake here. Yeah. So we're, so you're you're basically giving how many points that you said to the cage charge was how many? Yeah, no, I, I gave 29 points to Tosta. Okay. One point to the other cage stars. All right. 16 points to the script. 10 to the uh, the director guy. I mean, he I came out of retirement for this film. That is true. Yeah. 14 years he was retired, and they said no, you have to come back, Kevin. Is, that, is Kevin. it Kevin? Kevin. Kevin. One more time, Kevin. And now, and this is kickstarted a renaissance for him. He has The Accursed coming out this year, Dark County, Christmas at the Kringles, and Glutton. That's how successful this was. Yes. A Kevin Sons. He's going to be back. He is producing all or three out of those four movies himself, though. Well, I don't think we can say any more about this movie. No. I don't want to. I want to forget it existed. We will do that. So our next, our next attempt, I believe, we have agreed that the uh, 2020 masterpiece Jujitsu that not only stars Nicolas Cage but also Frank Grillo, which you may remember from The Punisher. Captain. Yeah, and he also did uh, Captain America. He was crossbones in Captain America. There you go. And the uh, elevator fight. All right. Well, we're done with Willie's Wonderland. We'd like to thank you for joining us. And we'll be back again soon with Jujitsu. And also coming soon is the uh, unbearable weight of massive talent. The unbearable weight of massive talent. Once again, this is Drake Mickelson and my co-host Malcolm Mickelson. Thank you for listening to the Cage Equation. <laughs> <laughs>